We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Gabal Brogd, Tommy Kester. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. He's got all the insight on what you want to know and maybe some of what you don't want to know. Here's K-State insider Tim Fitzgerald. All right, welcome into hour number two on Sports Daily. Tommy Castor, Paul Savage, and Jad Chambers producing today. And joined by Tim Fitzgerald, GoPowerCat.com. And uh, Fitz, I believe that you're in New Orleans right now. Although I guess my question is, do you call it New Orleans you call it New Orleans? You go the Nolens route? What do you call it? I call it a variety of things depending on the moment, but I've been calling it NOLA a lot. NOLA, okay. I like that. Uh, how, how are things down there in New Orleans right now? That's been good weather. It's supposed to get a little rainy, but uh, a nice 60 to 70 degrees yesterday, so that was a nice change of... Uh, weather from what we've had in kansas yeah. absolutely of course we're uh, we're getting closer and closer <clears throat> to kickoff for the sugar bowl fits on saturday 11 a.m kick with the alabama crimson tide and of course the kansas state wildcats let's talk a little bit about preparation you're down there in new orleans now and of course the the teams are down there getting ready for the sugar bowl where do things stand right now what's your impression of where kansas state is in their preparation as we get ready for kickoff on saturday yeah, it, I think this team is incredibly focused on, on not just playing the game, but um, the importance of the opportunity of playing a, a, a program like Alabama, the you know, biggest brand in college football, as I've been saying. And, you know, what that represents for the team, the program, their opportunities to uh, improve themselves in, in the eyes of maybe NFL scouts and and also really what it means for the conference. They, they seem to have the whole scope of things uh, really in focus. And, you know, I've, I've said this all year long that it's kind of remarkable how tight-knit this team is. I've never seen a group quite like it, and I've seen a lot of tight-knit teams. You know, Fitz, uh, I saw a stat earlier this week that I found very fascinating, and that was that Alabama has more four- and five signees four- and five-star signees on their roster than anybody in the country. Now, that's even more than Georgia. Georgia's close, but they don't have more than Alabama. Uh, Ohio State's right up there as well as a couple other teams that you would recognize. But this may be the most talented team K-State has ever played with regards to at least recruiting statistics. Talk a little about 
about uh, what that means uh, to a to a football team. Uh, how do they focus on this? Does does are the coaches putting an emphasis on the talent this team has? What what is the focus of these great players and so many of them on one team? Yeah, it's incredible, Paul. It's good to hear from you, by the way. Well, it's, thank you. Um, it's it's really remarkable when you stop and think about uh, the dichotomy of these two teams. The differences are just shocking. There isn't a single player on Kansas State that Alabama would have offered or maybe would still <laughs> offer an NIL to the transfer. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And, and, uh, and Alabama, you've got a team full of guys who – uh, for the most part, certainly the scholarship guys probably never once considered Kansas State if they've been offered. You know, I imagine Kansas State offered a few of the guys, um, you know, in, in the process of recruiting just to put their hat in the ring, but none of them were coming to Kansas State. So um, this is the two different worlds of college football on full display and meeting on the football field. And I think what we're going to find out is um, when – you develop players at the college level. By the time they get to this point, there isn't as big a gap as there is in the recruiting process. And that comes back to, and you guys know this, the way Kansas high school sports are structured. You know, a lot of Midwest sports are structured. That's an emphasis on multi-sport. You don't get the same amount of time in the offseason that, you know, players in the South and, you know, Texas to Florida, that whole band. And, you know, they got, they got year-round football, year-round training, Weight pro- weight programs that are better than some colleges. It's it's remarkable, and so typically when you're coming out of you know as a five star, you're number one more physically advanced just genetically, but also you've had the benefits of more things. Well, that gap closes when they get to college and into programs. You look at Felix Andy DK Ozama and the incredible transformation he's had physically from a 190 pound scrawny guy that you just wondered why did they bring him in to a All-American, All-Big 12, you know, maybe high draft pick. Um, and that, that kind of defines Kansas State football on how you have to do it. So, Fitz, I think that there are a lot of different ways that this game can play out on Saturday. I, do, I don't have, uh, and maybe you do, but I, I don't have a really solid, firm handle on exactly the way that this game is going to pan out. But I think that there are several different scenarios where, you know, first off, we see the Kansas State defense that uh, is one of, if not the best in the Big 12 come to play and really able to limit the Alabama offense. Uh, I see a scenario where we see Will Howard, maybe with a dash of Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn, be able to put a lot of points up on the board and Alabama be able to do the same thing as well. Um, So so I think that there's a, a variety of ways that this game can go on Saturday. Do you have a handle on kind of the way that at least your expectations are that this game could potentially play out? Yeah, my, my gut tells me it's going to be a lot like that Big Bowl championship. It's going to be two really good football teams going at it from, you know, start to finish. Um, I hope we don't have more overtime. I, I'm too old for that crap. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's going to be really fascinating to watch how the the first half unveils itself. And why I say that is this. If Kansas State can't handle the pass rush, particularly Will Anderson roaring off the edge, and he's constantly making Will Howard uncomfortable, I think that will impact the K-State offense for the entire game. Uh, so they're going to have to protect, and, and the tackles are going to have to be elite. And sometimes speed rush uh, has gotten the better of them, and 
they're going to get speed and power with Will Anderson and the other guy. It's a good defense. Um, the other thing, if you, you look at the, you know, the downside for K-State is they went up against a Texas team that has probably the, the closest equivalent of talent to Alabama in the Big 12. And, you know, you saw what Texas and Alabama did when they met. Uh, and yeah. Kansas State had so many issues in that first half with that elite talent, that elite physicality, because those guys were focused and ready to play. You go in at halftime, K-State makes adjustments, and Texas kind of lets its foot up off the gas, and it becomes a game again. Uh, you don't want to play catch-up. You can't play catch-up with Alabama. Um, I'm not sure K-State has enough weapons to make that up. So they're going to have to be good from the start, set a tone uh, that you know they're, they're going to match up with these guys, even though they're elite recruits and elite guys like Will Anderson that are going to the NFL. Fitz, do you mind if I throw out an observation about uh, the offensive side of this football uh, game with for the Kansas State Wildcats and see if you agree with this because you want to know how good Kansas State can be in this game. The one thing that I'm going to watch for is how well when Kansas State runs anything zone, how well does the offensive line overtake and uh, basically get, get their defensive players uh, on, on Alabama hooked. That's the thing I'm going to look at. How well can, how well can the offensive line – sustain and hook players and give run lanes on zone. If they do a good job on that, Kansas State can play with these guys. Is that a decent observation? Is that something maybe that somebody should keep an eye on and that will gauge how well Kansas State will do in this football game? That's a, it's a great observation. Uh, and, you know, you talk about the talent of this this front for Alabama. Uh, just to, we just talked to Cooper Beebe an hour ago, and you know, he mentioned that, well, with all their talent, they also are never out of position. They're so gaps down. They do everything right. Um, I, you know, to put it into context that maybe K-Staters can really grasp, this is Bill Snyder, Nick Saban. This is Bill Snyder with five stars. You know, this is, this is what happens when you take elite coaching, brilliant coaching, and apply it and get a buy-in from four- and five-star players because – you see four- and five-stars all over the country. You see them in Texas. You see them in Oklahoma. The buy-in isn't always there. Um, that, is, that is the biggest difference. It's, sometimes football has been so easy for these guys, it's hard to get them to totally uh, continue to grind and, and push forward. Uh, so if Kansas State can maneuver that, them around. And running the football is one opportunity Kansas State actually has in this game. That has been an Achilles that has popped up for um, Alabama throughout this season. And, and ironically, it's often been the quarterback run game. So that makes me wonder if they're not going to you know, really design some stuff for Adrian Martinez. That's a huge quandary for this offensive staff. Do you mess with the Will Howard mojo and since it's accomplished under this guy? Or do you, you know, put Adrian out there, more, maybe more snaps than you normally would because that's a good matchup for Kansas State against this defense. Talking to Tim Fitzgerald, GoPowerCat.com here on Sports Daily and Fitz, when you look at the Alabama offense, of course, everybody in the world knows about Bryce Young and what he can do at the quarterback position for the Crimson Tide. But, of course, 
really for Alabama, everything starts up front and the physicality, the size of the offensive line that Alabama has. In fact, I read an article this morning uh, where Daniel Green from K-State was talking about the athleticism uh, of the offensive line that Alabama brings to the table and how big these guys are uh, and how they're able to set blocks. The Alabama rushing offense, uh, they average nearly 200 yards a game. They don't allow a ton of sacks. What, what's your takeaway on Alabama's offense and especially how it starts up front and the physicality of the offensive line? Yeah, you know, we talk about um, Bryce Young a lot because he's special. Um, he's, he really does a great job of extending plays, not to scramble and run like Max Duggan does, but, you know, to continue to look downfield. But when you ask the coaches what jumps out about the Alabama offense, it's always the line and the consistency uh, with which they create space to operate, the job they do um, in setting a tone of physicality for this offense. Um, As you guys know, if your offensive line's winning the day, you're probably winning the game. And this offensive line wins the day a lot for Alabama. Now, they have had some attrition with the transfer portal and stuff, um, and that might impact them a little bit. But, again, um, it's going to be hard for Kansas State – to find any sympathy for Alabama when, as I mentioned earlier, you, if you lost a five-star who didn't play the game, you know, you got another one that's going to step up and play this game. You got another guy, Kansas State, had zero shot at getting out of high school, going to step on the field. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm just, if, if something goes terribly wrong for Alabama in this game, I, I, I'm not going to have much tolerance for they weren't invested or, uh, you know, they, they didn't have their main guys. Uh, because they got guys, they got guys top to bottom. So, but yeah, that <laughs> offensive line sets the tone. Well, Fitz, if you don't mind, I, I made my observation what I'm watching on offense. Do you mind if I do it on defense? If you if you don't mind, absolutely. My, my nope. observation on 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 defense, what I'm looking for is pass rush, and I'm not just specifically talking about the rim runners, those guys that are coming in off the edge, running the rim, trying to trying to force the quarterback to step up. I'm also looking at push in the middle because the one thing you can't do with a kid like Trey Young, obviously, is give him a lot of time. But you also can't give him a chance to avoid your rim runners, particularly by stepping up in the pocket. So push in the middle, push from the one, push from the three, those kind of places – those are where you're going to have to get some push. Take away that little pocket that Trey Young might want to step up into if he's feeling pressure off the edge. If you can get that and you can get some pressure off the edge, Kansas State will have a chance at being very successful on defense and allow, allow uh, their secondary to play more, probably more zone than than they're going to have to play. They're probably going to have to play some man because they're going to have to bring some people but pass rush and particularly push in the middle are the keys that I'm looking for. Am I off on that one? Nope. No, you got that. And, and here's the thing. Um, I'll know how much Kansas State is, has earned respect from Alabama. Because, bluntly put, um, they don't seem to know anyone who plays for Kansas State. In fact, one player yesterday hadn't really heard of Bill Snyder. Um, oh. And, mm. you know, it's, that's disgusting. Uh, there's there's a really a sense of a lack of disrespect here. Um, it's little old K-State from the little old Big 12. Um, you know, Bill O'Brien, the offensive coordinator yesterday, didn't sound like uh, he was too concerned about anything. So if they come out and don't double-team Felix Andy D.K. Uzama, like everyone in the Big 12 has done, if they just look at his stats uh, and see that, you know, they weren't what they have been, 
they look at him and think, well, we see better in the SEC every week. If they single block him, um, that will show there's absolutely no respect, and, and they'll pay a price for that because every time he does get single blocked, he gets disrupted, uh, and they'll have to change pretty quickly once that starts to happen. But you're right. They, again, uh, it's all about these trenches. You, you can't lose that battle. Uh, you can't get whooped up front and expect to win this game or most any games. But for Kansas State, particularly this game, uh, you lose that battle, uh, you're, you're toast. You just absolutely are. Because while this defensive line needs to get to Bryce Young, they, they also need to um, keep him bottled up. They can't let him extend plays and, and run around. And, um, you know, I say that, but he's elite at that. Um, completing more than 60% of his passes and throwing for almost 300 yards a game. Not because it's straight out of the huddle, you know, stand up, rise up, and, and throw the ball like a, a spread offense. This is more of a traditional offense in which um, he will buy time and, and try to get a receiver open. So if they go man, they're, they're going to be covering for a very long time. But if they go zone, those receivers will find plenty of time to get into the, the cracks of that zone and, and settle down for an open pass. Is there a storyline here, Fitz, with the two coaches? Uh, of course, we know what Nick Saban has done in college football. And then Chris Kleiman was known as the Nick Saban in FCS when he was at North Dakota State. Is there any kind of uh, storyline here between these two coaches and anything like that as we lead into the game? The football is football storyline. Yeah, you know, yeah, um, yeah there is. It, it's, kind of, it's kind of weird when you think about this. You talk about college football coaches at the Power Five level with the most rings. You have Nick Saban, you have Chris Kleiman, and you have Lance Leipold. So yeah. um, you got um, there's, there's probably not many uh, coaches out there that can claim more rings in, in the college ranks and in that group. And two of them are here uh, in New Orleans, and it's it's a uh, it's a great matchup of two really good college football minds. And while beating, out, beating Alabama is a huge opportunity program for the players, this puts Chris Kleiman on a whole nother stage, a whole nother level of respect around the nation. Yeah, it's cute he won those FCS titles. It's kind of what a lot of people probably think, but this isn't the FCS. If he can, within four years, get K-State to you know, keep, compete, if not beat, a team like Alabama, I think uh, the football is football comment he made at his press conference when he was hired will be more true than ever. You know, when you look at this game, obviously the favorite would be Alabama. I get it. I understand that. And yet, if K-State wins, uh, this is a kind of a weird question. I'm subjective on your part, if you don't mind. Would this be the biggest win in the history of Kansas State football? Because I can rip you off about eight or ten games that at the time were said was that these were the biggest games in the in the history of Kansas State football. Will this one replace all of those and become the biggest win in the history of Kansas State football if they win? You know, the context of, of victory here, I don't think you can fully measure it until you're down the road a little bit. Um, because Bill Snyder you know, took those big steps, first over Oklahoma uh, and then eventually Nebraska and got them to a, you know, higher and higher level of playing football. Uh, and those were difficult. That was really difficult. Uh, but Alabama's Everest. Um, there's other challenging mountains out there. But this is, this is the brand. This is the big one. This is um, <laughs> the one that everyone recognizes. 
And uh, so I think you're right. Uh, but then again, if, if Kansas State wins this game and turns around and uh, does what Baylor did this season next year with, you know, a lot of their players returning and Big 12 champions and, and you know, go six and six, yeah, it, I guess the magnitude of a win like this would, would kind of drop off. But if this sets a tone like beating LSU did last year for the next season, fires them up and, you know, energizes them right into the offseason and into the summer and, you know, all this stuff. Uh, I, I think it just could be monumental for K-State football as we look back over the future and say that's the game that put K-State at the highest stage and the players, the recruits, the fans, the coaches, everyone knew K-State had joined the club. One more for you, Fitz, before we let you go. It's kind of a two-part question. Number one, what do you got working at GoPowerCat.com leading up to the Sugar Bowl on Saturday? And number two, since the game is at 11 o'clock on New Year's Eve in New Orleans, mm. what do you have planned on mm. Bourbon Street after the game is over with? I'll probably, you know, just uh, do some charity work. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, look, uh, You're a humanitarian. All, I get it. Yeah, I, that's, I want people to understand that. Uh, and, and bartenders <laughs> are people too, and they need tips. Um, so uh, we got so much stuff going at Go Powercat. We put up the Powercat uh, pregame podcast uh, this morning, so that's live. If you want to hear me and our experts babble on for an hour about this game and some pretty interesting takes, you know. In fact, I asked Brian Hanley, our our football analyst who played on the '97 '98 teams. Could that 98 K-State team play with these Alabama teams? It's a pretty interesting answer. A lot of videos, a lot of written coverage. You know, we're kind of in regular game mode. It's kind of nice the games on Saturday. But you just kind of line up your, your content like you have all season and, and play it out. Uh, but after the game, if, you know, win or lose, we'll, we'll do something. Uh, but, you know, we, we probably won't be done work until well after the TCU game is concluded. But uh, my wife's coming down. Uh, and guys uh, – it doesn't really matter what I want to do on New Year's Eve. Uh, I will have plans. Yeah. I yeah. I, I will. Well, I, and, uh, yeah, it's good. It's good for me. It's good. Yeah. 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 You're well, a just make sure man, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just, just make sure to, uh, behave yourself down there on, on bourbon street. The last <laughs> thing I want to do fits is open up, uh, my, my internet on Sunday morning and, you know, see a bunch of news stories, on Twitter about, you know, you going to jail or something on yeah. Bourbon Street on New Year's Eve. Yeah, no Nobody go, wants to see that. No GoFundMe pages to get you out of jail, please. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, don't worry, guys. I've I, I thought this through. I've got an Apple AirTag attached to my pants. So if I lose those, <laughs> I will be able to find it. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, uh, hope everything goes well down in New Orleans on uh, Saturday. Huge game, Sugar Bowl, Kansas State, and Alabama at 11 o'clock. Fitz, thanks for being on with us. Thank you, boys. Great to hear from you. All right, there goes Tim Fitzgerald, gopowercat.com. Of course, a huge game, Sugar Bowl on Saturday. We're going to take a break. We'll be back, talk a little NFL news. Derek Carr benched with the Raiders. We'll get into that and a lot more. Sports Daily coming back.
All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily on KFH. Tommy Castor in for Jacob Albrock today. Paul Savage joining us. Jad Chambers producing. And this is crazy. Uh, if we thought that things couldn't get any more idiotic with the Las Vegas Raiders, who have had an incredibly embarrassing season in the AFC West, they go out and they do this yesterday. Derek Carr is being benched. And he's actually going home and leaving the team in the final two weeks of the regular season. And Jarrett Stidham, who has never started a game in the NFL, will start at least this week and possibly next week as well. Josh McDaniels announcing that yesterday. Uh, You know, this team is out of contention entirely. Uh, It's been incredibly disappointing for them. They bring in Devontae Adams, Paul, to try to revamp the offense and bring in uh, a guy who had been Derek Carr's, one of his better friends uh, for a long time in Devontae Adams. And then uh, Derek Carr gets benched. Uh, I don't think that there's any chance that he returns to Las Vegas next season. And here go the Raiders. And uh, they're starting a guy in Jarrett Stidham, who has only had limited action in the NFL. What do you make of this? I don't know what to make of this. And the reason I say this, because I, in my memory, and then maybe there's been something like this happen, but I don't know what it would be. Not with a, a player like Derek Carr of his stature, of his ability, uh, or at least what used to be his ability. Maybe it's not what it is and has been for a while. But I don't know. This is the craziest thing I've ever heard of. Now, to to keep a veteran quarterback to help with young quarterbacks is done all the time. You know, there's been a few examples such as Brett Favre. You know, he always said, you know, you don't keep me around to help a young quarterback. My job on the Green Bay Packers is not to develop the next quarterback after me. That's not my job, and I'm not going to do it. So, uh, you know, it's probably unique to keep a guy like a Derek Carr, but I've never seen anybody go home. I've never seen yeah. anybody abandon their teammates. You know something? It's it's almost It's almost – counterintuitive for a football player to say I'm abandoning my football family and I use the name I use the word family on that my football family it's almost like nobody does that who does that who abandons family I've never seen anything quite like it and I'm very very disappointed in it now I don't know if this was a command from Josh McDaniels I don't know if they're suggesting that he does it. I don't know what the situation is that would precipitate something like this to happen. I just don't get it. But I've never seen well, anything look, quite I, like I, it. I have a really hard time in evaluating exactly what is happening here. Um, because, yeah, I'm kind of with you. Like, on the one hand, you're Derek Carr, and you've been around for a long time with that organization. Right. And it, the, the optics of it aren't good. With Derek Carr, right? The the perception that he's leaving the team and abandoning his teammates. However, I don't know if that's totally accurate. Like, I don't know if that's really the truth behind the story because it wasn't that long ago that Derek Carr was the unquestioned leader of this team in a time where they desperately needed a leader. I mean, think about a year ago. They fired John Gruden. In the middle of all of this controversy with the emails that were sent that showed, you know, misogynistic and even some racial language. And so John Gruden loses his job, right? They bring in an interim head coach. 
And then one of the top receivers on the team in Henry Ruggs gets arrested and goes to jail for killing a woman during a drunk driving crash. That all happened in the same year last season. And Derek Carr stuck with the team. They won games and he took them to the playoffs. And here we are less than a year later and a new coach in Josh McDaniels is now painting the picture that Derek Carr is the problem. Is he? I don't know. But I have a hard time thinking that somebody who has been the face of the franchise for as long as Derek Carr has been is all of a sudden the problem now. I I have a hard time believing that. Is Josh McDaniels potentially the problem? He was sure a problem when he was the head coach for the Broncos. Is he the problem with the Raiders now? Very well could be. And he might be using Derek Carr as a scapegoat. Again, I don't know. But before we read too much into Derek Carr, quote unquote, abandoning his teammates, I wonder if there's more to the story. Well, I have to I have to think and not knowing this is total speculation, but that's why they have us on this show at times is to speculate. I have to th- I have to think that this is Josh McDaniels. There isn't a guy in, it, worth his salt who understands the camaraderie of a football team and that would include a Derek Carr. There is no way you leave your family you never you you would do whatever you can. Can I hold the clipboard? Can I be an advisor? Can I put the headset on while I'm standing on the sidelines and help direct my teammates and help make this kid better? If he's the future, so be it. It's only two games. What if it's not his call? What if I mean? What if Joshua Daniels said we don't want you on the sideline? I think you know, that, like, that we- that's a horrid thing. I think it's I think it's 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 unbelievable. I'm almost having a hard time, Tommy, thinking that that's what it could be. And, and and also let's be let's be clear here too. There is financial motivations with this also because they can move him, and if he's healthy, then they when they move him like if he gets injured in the last two games and they try to move him during the off season, then the the asking price is going to go down significantly. They're not going to get nearly as much in return if Carr injures himself in the final two games. So I think that probably has something to do with it also. Right. But there's this picture being painted. And again, maybe it is. Maybe it's simply Derek Carr not getting along with his head coach and taking his ball and going home. And right. that's a bad look. That's bad optics. But your but, point. But knowing, but knowing Derek Carr, though, I mean, and I, you know, knowing how he's been the face of this franchise and somebody that has, you know, stood up and answered tough question after tough question as recently as a year ago about the moral failings of the his coach and his one of his top receivers a year ago. I have a hard time thinking that this is just Derek Carr saying, I'm going to take my ball and go home. Right. Well, the monetary aspect that you just pointed out is probably true. The facts are that uh, if he if he gets hurt in the next two games, uh, 32.9 million of his salary for next year and 7.5 million of his uh, salary for this year would be fully guaranteed if he's injured. And I think that that's probably a huge portion of this story. Uh, unfortunately, that fact and figure is placed uh, way at the end of the story. That's probably should have been higher in the story that I read yeah. with regards to that. But I'm sure you brought it up financially. There are there are considerations. You're exactly right. There are financial considerations being made, and I get it. But I also understand the nature of football. You understand the nature of hockey. It's not that different that your family is your family. For a football season, for a hockey season, your family is your family. 
And that's what, you you know, a lot of times you're stuck with part of that family. I mean, you trade here, you trade there, but, you know, it's still your family. And so there's considerations. For all we know, I would say there's probably a 75-25% chance that this is financial in nature, Tommy. I think that might be the case. I don't think I... I, I might be I might be right. I, sh- I should say you're probably right. Financial well, look, considerations. I, I, I think I think that's some of it, but I also just think that this is Josh McDaniels being incompetent as the head coach of the Raiders and uh, looking for someone to blame for the shortcomings that he has wow, as good. a head coach. I, a I, genu- and <laughs> I genuinely believe that. I mean, I, I think that this is I, do I think this is Josh McDaniels saying hey look we're we're a bad football team but don't look at me it's not my fault it's the quarterback's fault it's the quarterback that that i inherited when i came into vegas and we're you know we're going to go ahead and bench him and then i'm going to bring in my guy next year I, i think that's absolutely what it is but this is the same guy that led the raiders to to the playoffs like he's done this before now i don't get me wrong i don't think Derek carr can lead, I don't care if it's the Raiders or another team, I don't think he's going to lead a team to the Super Bowl. I don't think Derek Carr is that kind of quarterback. Uh, That being said, I think that he has shown that he can lead a team well. And he's done that with the Raiders in the past. This guy has had so many different coaches that have come in, and he has stuck with the team. He stuck with the team during a... uh, all the rumors about if they're going to move. And then they did move from Oakland to Vegas. He is stuck with his franchise. He's not going to be a Raider next season. I I look at him to join, I don't know, a team like Indianapolis, or maybe he'll be a New York jet or, you know, I don't know there there are other options that are out there for him, but I feel like I, I think of it this way. If we wrap it back in to what we're looking at with the team that we follow with the Kansas city chiefs and the chiefs and the Raiders will play each other in the final week of the, of the regular season. Think about just how remarkable this is, Paul, that all the teams in that division outside of Kansas City tried to make significant moves to compete with the Chiefs. And there were so many different pundits that said that all of these teams got significantly better and Kansas City maybe even got worse by losing Tyreek Hill. The Russell Wilson trade in Denver and the different additions, especially defensively, that the Chargers made. And then the Raiders going out and getting Devontae Adams. And outside of the Chargers making the playoffs, it's been an unmitigated disaster for the Broncos. It's now an unmitigated disaster for the Raiders. And here we are with Kansas City, and they're still battling for a one seed. It's crazy to me. Well, I think you're on to something there, and it is crazy. It's a story which... You've never seen. I mean, maybe you maybe you can remember an instance of something like this, but uh, I, I can't remember anything quite like this. And particularly when you're playing San Francisco, San Francisco, as Chelsea Messenger pointed out, has possibly the best defense in the league at this point. You know, Bosa's playing well with defensive ends. You got you got linebackers playing downhill. That's a darn good defense. And now you're going to throw up Jarrett Stidham? How how confident are you, by the way, <laughs> that you're going to score a boatload of points with Jarrett Stidham in his first start uh, in the no, NFL? Th- I'm yeah. not very this confident, is waving, Tommy. No, this is waving the white flag what? for the Raiders. Wait, this like is that. them saying, well put. Well, you know, we're, we're done. We're going to well pack put. it in. In the same way that Derek Carr is packing it in for the season, the Raiders are packing it in, too. I just feel like Josh McDaniels is looking for a scapegoat, and he found it in one of the most consistent players 
that the yeah. Raiders have had in Derek Carr in a long time. Well, that's and it's, well said. It's a bummer. Well said. I think that I think we'll see Derek Carr in a in a different uniform in 2023 yeah. for sure. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back for our final segment. Finishing thoughts on the Liberty Bowl, KU and Arkansas. We're going to talk about that as we wrap up the show coming up. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, welcome back into Sports Daily on KFH. Tommy Castor, Paul Savage, Jad Chambers here. Our final full segment, circling back around to the Liberty Bowl, KU and Arkansas. And I've got some final thoughts. I know that Paul probably has some final thoughts too on the triple overtime game from last night. But let's go to the phones right now, eight six nine twelve forty, and talk to Pat. Pat, good morning. How you doing today? Yeah. Hey, Tommy. I think you know who this is. I. Uh... I do. Uh, you know, I've been there with you. I, I was there through the Mangino great years and then the horrible dark years. And uh, what a gambit of emotions last night, at least I went through, of the early touchdown, uh, supreme confidence to frustration, to anger, to disappointment, to euphoria. Uh, you know, but I couldn't be more proud of this team. I will say I agree with everything you said. We must load up in the portal defensively. Uh, we we must get faster linebackers that can run to the ball. We need another pass rusher. Lonnie Phelps is basically all we've got, and they double and triple team him. But the other thing, we've got to hire a special teams coach. I've got to believe we're one of the few teams in the country that do not have a special teams coach, and that has been a disaster for us all year. So I, uh, I can't wait till next year. I mean, we have 10 starters coming back on offense. Uh, I think all of them will be back. Uh, we just got to show up the defense in the portal. I, 
I want to give Borland another year, but if this doesn't improve defensively, uh, I don't know. I, I think we need – we might need a change there. But, uh, look, what this staff has done in a year and a half is remarkable. So uh, – and one other thing I might point out, you mentioned that was the only pass being – Earlier in the game, if you recall, they tried a kind of a halfback pass. He had a guy wide open in the end zone. I think it was Arnold, and he overthrew him. I feel bad for Jason that he goes out like that. I agree with you. That is not the play call I would have called when you've, you've got to have a two-point conversion to stay in the game. So, anyway, Rock Chalk, uh, I couldn't be more proud of him. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, Pat. Thanks for the call. And, and yeah, I mean, the, we talked about it at the top of the show, Paul. Um, you know, how this this team and the coaching staff able to overcome the the clear issues and defense, uh, deficiencies, especially defensively, it, you know, is remarkable uh, to get to this point. But, but looking ahead to the future and looking ahead to next season, Paul, um, you know, Tim Fitzgerald mentioned it earlier this hour about the the rings. Uh, that guys like Nick Saban and then, of course, uh, Chris Kleiman and Lance Leipold have all won in different stages of college football. Um, I, I've said for a long time, I said on day one when Lance Leipold was hired at Kansas that the Jayhawks got their Chris Kleiman. Like they followed the, the same path a couple of years behind the Wildcats, but they went out and they they hired a proven winner at a lower rank to come in and and rebuild this Kansas program. And I think that, you know, of course, we know with the, the stadium renovations that are you know going to be commencing soon and then the extension for Leipold and his coordinators, I don't really see a whole lot of uh, a lot of reason to be pessimistic about the future for Kansas football. And it's been a long time that I've been able to say that. Well, I said earlier in his show, I've almost forgotten that this was a loss. I'm so euphoric over the way this game turned out uh, with regards to effort to the, the no quit, my gosh, no quit, no quit at all. And that's something, you know, that's hard stuff to coach. That's hard. That's hard to get out of kids. And I'm very, very bullish. And like I said uh, to you earlier in the show, I'm bullish on this team. Uh, to be real tri- truthful, Tommy, this team has me excited. And I don't care if their record is 6-7. and seven. To me, this team showed me something. And I'll tell you what, it sure should have showed everybody there's something about this team that's going to end up being special. And that probably means there's something special about this coaching staff. I'm so glad he didn't take that job at Wisconsin. Yeah, and, and you know, we can be um, critical of the defensive play, for sure. We can be critical of some of the special teams' miscues. Uh, we can be critical of the, the two-point conversion at the end of the game and the play call. Uh, taking the ball out of Jalen Daniels' hands. We can be critical of all of that, and it's all fair. That being said, it's all relative, right? It's all relative to the way that this program has performed this season. Uh, the Jayhawks are ahead of schedule in their rebuild for sure. And I've looked back. To me, this is a culmination, this bowl game, even though it ended in a loss to, to Arkansas. It's a culmination uh, and a validation of where this program is headed. And there were dark dark times with KU football for a number of years think of Turner Gill think of Charlie Weiss 
Uh, think of all the different times that there were terrible performances on the field. They gave up 604 rushing yards one year to Georgia Tech. They gave, they gave up an NCAA record, 427 yards on the ground to Samaje P. Ryan of Oklahoma. KU did that. Uh, they didn't win a single game in 2015. They didn't win a single game in, what was it, 2020, 2019, 2020 under Les Miles. Of course, all of the, the Les Miles and Jeff Long drama. Uh, David Beatty being in over his head. Uh, and then, of course, all the drama with his contract and him suing the university. There's been a lot of dark times for Kansas football over the last 15 years. That bowl game, even though it ended in a triple overtime loss, is a validation of how far this program has come under Lance Leipold and where it's going in the future. We're going to step aside for our final timeout. We'll be back to wrap up the show and tell you what's on tap here on KFH. It's coming up, Sports Daily. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.